Let's go. Welcome to another Let's Go Hockey podcast. Today we're talking with Mr. Tyler Elbricht. Uh, I am your host, Pete Kamen of Elevated Hockey. With me as always... Danny Heath of Project Hockey. And it was cool to have on one of my old teammates. Uh, I didn't bring this up in the interview, but his nickname was Meat. Um, and then that transformed into Beef. So we just called him Beef for a while. So you'll hear that now and get a good chuckle out of that. But he's awesome. And he, he's doing a lot of stuff in the hockey world. And one thing that I loved about this interview was just his advice for youth hockey coaches. And it, it, it was something that I wasn't expecting. And it was something that was so simple that any coach, regardless of the level, doesn't have to be youth hockey, but any coach can can take that and and learn from it and definitely improve their practices. So yeah. it, was, it was awesome. What did you take away? I totally agree. I did. I, I'm with you there. I didn't expect to get into the the coaching advice, but I thought we were going to focus more on a lot of his player advice. But uh, you know, all, all in all, I thought he had a one. He's got a great journey. He's got a lot of experience from the junior to college to uh, to the professional league. So there's a lot of takeaways there. And I thought he had some really solid advice for, for players about, um, you know, knowing who they are and accepting their roles and, and knowing like being self-accountable to, to, to improve their game. So I thought that was awesome. For sure. And then, uh, also throw in there, heater, the, the, the fundraiser that he started is really interesting. The East, East coast league hockey player, uh, fundraising to help, help raise funds for those players that are without their, uh, their seasons were cut short without a couple of paychecks. So we talk about that at the end. He gives more details on that and we'll, we'll share more information in the show notes. So people can check that out and, and support, um, you know, ultimately he's just leaving the game better than he found it. He's, he's sharing his passion for the game. That's what we're all about on the podcast. He fits right into yeah, that. Yeah. I think it's awesome. He's trying to help. For sure. And what I love, it, I love talking to people when you look at the coaches he's had, um, he, I mean, he had John Cooper, who's coaching in the NHL now. He's had Mike Hastings, who's won the most games in the NCAA in the past like five years. And then he had a bunch of different knowledgeable coaches in the East Coast League. And so that all comes through him in this interview. And it, it was awesome and something that everybody will, will pull something from this episode for sure. So I, I think we, we dig in. What do you say, coach? I say uh, you're exactly right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by hockeywolf.com. Check out hockeywolf.com for all things hockey. They are a fantastic brick and mortar and online retailer. They've got everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. If you love the game of hockey, you got to check out hockeywolf.com. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, don't forget to check out Hockey Wolf's team sales option on their website. Next time your team needs helmets or gloves, sticks, skates, jerseys, go to hockeywolf.com. Get everything that you need so that your guys and girls are ready to hit the ice. Go check them out. Go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. Born in Edwardsville, Illinois, grew up playing for the Granite City Steelers, Twin Bridge Lightning, and the St. Louis AAA Junior Blues. Played his junior hockey in the NHL for the St. Louis Bandits and Alaska and won a Robinson Cup and also spent a year in the USHL for the Omaha Lancers where he won a Clark Cup championship. Let's go. Played his college hockey at Minnesota State University where he was my captain for two years. Let's go. After his college hockey career, he played six years in the East Coast Hockey League, tallying up over 800 penalty minutes. Let's go. Tyler Albrecht, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey Podcast. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Uh, thanks for having me on today. I'm pretty excited to see how many times we can you know, get a, get some let's go's going in here today. Let's go. I'm excited. Uh, thanks for having me on. Awesome. Yeah. Tyler, thanks for having, or uh, thanks for joining us today. I'm super excited to hear more about your, your path in hockey and kind of what brought you up to today and what you're doing. So, um, let's, let's just dive right into it. And why don't you walk us through, I mean, Danny listed a couple of your stops. Why don't you introduce yourself, give us a quick rundown of, uh, your hockey path. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I think I was a late bloomer. Uh, some of them, some of them would say, uh, I didn't throw ice skates out until I was uh, 10 years old. I uh, didn't play roller hockey until I was about eight years old. So I think I was behind uh, a, lot, a lot of kids at that age throwing the skates on. And, uh, you know, from there, um, I was always a bigger guy, uh, you know, ended up being pretty big in general. And 
Uh, I was never coordinated. I always looked like Bambi out there. I think I had a nickname for a while called Wobbles because the ankles just weren't strong. So, uh, you know, it, it took me a while to figure out figure out my path. And um, I, I got lucky. Um, you know, sort of my whole career was battling and literally fighting my way to where I got. Uh, you know, after I played youth hockey for, for as Danny mentioned, the, the, the Guernsey Steelers, which turned into Twinbridge's Lightning, um, the only reason I ever made AAA was uh, I decided that, you know, in eighth grade, it was smart to throw down in a AAA tryout against the smallest kid on the ice when I was six foot three. I was real tough, you know. Yeah, <laughs> not at all. Uh, but but I wasn't good. And to be honest, you know, that was the only way. Coaches saw that I was sort of willing to do, at, at that point, whatever, to make a team. Um, you know, from there, I spent three, three or four years uh, AAA I uh, had a couple of rough summers where I just grew too much, broke a lot of bones, uh, spent a lot of time in cap, uh, which is, you know, obviously uh, a downer. Uh, after that, um, I, I signed a tender with uh, St. Louis Bandits uh, going in my senior year. I moved out to St. Louis, which for me was only 45 minutes away. Uh, you know, I spent time there with some great billets, thought graduating high school earlier early was going to be spectacular and a week after i graduated early thinking you know i was smart uh, i got traded to alaska so that was a hot you know three thousand mile flight at 18 years old didn't know where i was going uh first day i got there it was minus 30 degrees i literally opened up my suitcase and put on 18 layers before i walked out of the airport um mom deal everybody put me on a plane having no idea where i was going they said hey you're going to alaska if you want to play hockey so i picked up i went uh ended up being the best thing for me I played there. They wanted me, you know, you always want to go where you're wanted. Uh, they truly wanted me to play. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful for that. And, and then my next step at stop then was Omaha in the USHL. Um, basically, I got a call right before the season that said, hey, we need a guy that's willing to do anything. Um, whether that was goalie, forward, defense, fight, block shots, sit on the bench, not whine. You know, basically be that guy. So I said, yeah, why not? Uh, that was my attitude. That summer, I was told to get bigger, so I went from 192 pounds to 222 pounds in one summer. Um, with that, my body fat also went up to 16% fat before arriving in Omaha. And um, when I got there, I was told, okay, you'll do anything. Well, you're in Chub Club now. So here's 6 AMs for the next three months uh, while working and figuring out my life again in a new city. Uh, but we ended up going on to win, uh, which was spectacular. Uh, you know, there's plenty of memories that I, I could share, uh, you know, and we can get into that maybe. But uh, then I, uh, I went back to Omaha and I decided that um, I went through a little bit of a life crisis at 20, seeing all my friends move on to, you know, two or three years into college, maybe relationships, other things going on in life. So I chose to quit hockey for three weeks, uh, completely didn't touch the ice, told everybody I was done, enrolled in Iowa State almost. Uh, which would have been a ginormous mistake in the long run. But, you know, at the time you see your friends, your family, and everybody else moving out with your lives, and you're still a 20-year-old trying to live the dream. Uh, I ended up back in St. Louis. Jeff Brown had called me and said, hey, why don't you come out for fun? If you like it, you can stay. If you hate it, you don't have to come back. Uh, I ended up loving it. I ended up being captain. Uh, again, got to, to raise another cup that year. So back-to-back years was great. Uh, I didn't know where I was going to school until about late April of my third year of juniors had no, I had a few, um, few small offers, offers I decided not to take thinking, Oh, I'm, you know, oh, I'm going to win. I'm good. I can do whatever I want type of attitude. Um, one school actually wanted me to come visit during playoffs. I told them no, the playoffs were more important and they pulled the offer completely because I would not come visit during, uh, playoffs, which I thought was obnoxious. So I ended up committing to Mankato with Danny. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Since, uh, I got to spend four years there. Uh, Minnesota State obviously has a huge part, place in my heart. Uh, I was fortunate to be captain there for my junior and senior year, surrounded by a great core of other guys, uh, one being Raya Hayes that was a captain there with me. Um, he was also doing great things. And, um, I think that, you know, those four years were amazing. Uh, same sort of situation. I thought, okay, I'm going to graduate early from college. I'm going to go straight to pro. I'm going to sign an NHL deal. Well, I graduated early. Well, pretty much. I took yoga my last semester of college, one credit, only class I ever failed in college. Um, you know, that speaks high volumes for my hip mobility. Uh, let's go. But let's go. Uh, <laughs> and I, uh, 
I thought I was going to sign a deal. Could have left maybe my junior year, chose to go back to school, um, waited it out, didn't leave again, ended up not signing anything at all. Um, found out that when I was going to sign in Idaho, I was a week late and nobody knew that rule at the time or we'll just, yeah, somebody dropped the ball, maybe myself. So um, following year, went to Idaho, um, spent six years in the coast in Idaho. Let's see if I can remember the path, the journey here, boys. Uh, Idaho to Toledo to Greenville to Kansas City to Manchester and Cincinnati all in one year. Back mm-hmm. to um, Kansas City and then Wichita. Um, I was fortunate enough to be a captain four out of my six years of pro. Um, and as Danny had mentioned, I, I wouldn't say I won a lot of fights, but I was will- always willing to fight. Um, obviously by my penalty minute and that sort of got me. It finally took the skates off, uh, last year after I broke my hand twice in the same season, uh, same spot blocking shots and decided that, uh, it's time to take care of my body. All right. That's a, that's a journeyman's story for sure. And <laughs> I've known you for a while. And I feel like every time I hear your story, there's something new. And the idea that, Every team you played for, you were a leader on that team. You won championships on that team. It's pretty It's pretty unique. Like when you think about the game of hockey, it's hard enough to make your town's A team, let alone get paid to play hockey, whether it's in the East Coast League or your NHL All-Star game. Like it's it's tough to do that in this game. And along that way, there's there's challenging parts, like making that jump from junior hockey to college hockey and then college hockey to pro. If you want to dive in a little bit, just the just on what was the most challenging parts of those, and like, it was it different from junior to college, and then what was challenging from college to the professional game? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you know, I think going from junior to college was um, just a whole new aspect of scenery. Um, you know, I think that involves the on ice side and the off ice side. Uh, you know, for me, I was a twenty one, basically almost twenty one year old freshman. Um, so you had different things to deal with off the ice that I think you, you know, you had to grow up and learn about quick. Um, I think on the ice, obviously, you know, you go in thinking you're going to be, you're going to be the number one D man. You're going to be top line. You're going to be starting goalie. And, and, and there's a learning curve. Uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to talk to Al McKinnis before and, and actually, um, a couple of their guys that, you know, the biggest thing that they said, there's always a learning curve. And if you can learn that learning curve before you go anywhere, then that's going to improve your chances of playing, um, gaining more minutes or whatever it may be that you want to do. And is just gathering as much information and knowledge as you can. Uh, so I think jumping from junior to college was, you know, just realizing that, Hey, you're a freshman. There's three other, there's three years of guys ahead of you that have paid their dues. Don't walk in um, cocky and, and with your head, you know, above the, the doorway, uh, make sure you fit in the door. And, uh, I think the thing, you know, I think going into, going into pro was the biggest, you know, learning curve. Again, you're, you're coming out of college confident, you know, obviously if you're a senior and you had a decent year, your confidence is through the roof. And, um, again, you're, you're low man on the totem pole, you know, it's like, you know, going to middle school all over again, when you're a fifth or sixth grader going in with eighth graders, like you're, you're shark bait, like you're going to get eaten alive at some point. And, that's just how it is. And it's, you know, it's, I think that curve is, you know, you have to learn and just, you literally have to sit back and, and take the knowledge that people are willing to give you and, and the older guys and the veterans that are going to put you under their wing and teach you. I think that's great advice for, for any level you're talking about that, that part you just mentioned about the guys before you've already paid their dues and you've got to be aware of that. I think that is a level of self-awareness for a player jumping in. That is pretty, uh, is pretty important. Let me, let me circle back on, uh, you know, you've been on a, on a couple of very, really strong teams and you've been a leader on a, on a bunch of really strong teams. Can you pinpoint any qualities that you see in a couple of those different squads you were on that translated in, into success? Like most specifically some of those championships you've won, if there's any qualities from those teams or the players on that team as that help make up the whole that, that you could pinpoint as uh, qualities that, that coaches or players should consider when they're, they're choosing their team or building their teams. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, relating to those teams and even teams I see nowadays, I think that, you know, I, our success always came from guys playing their role. Um, I don't think, you know, I know, you know, for example, and that and the coaches buying into what the players want to, you know, 
a give and take type relationship where the players knew their roles and wanted to perform. And, um, you know, I actually had listened to Teddy's the other day where guys are buying in and, you know, you, when you buy into a coach and the, and the brand and, uh, the game plan, you're, you're going to go through, you know, you're going to do anything it takes to win. And, and I, and I, in Omaha, like we, we just had that, you know, that thought process every day. Like we were going to get better every day. Our team knew every day, like there in Omaha, that if we didn't show up, we, you had a good chance of going home, which really, you know, junior hockey, like obviously like you don't think you're different. Obviously I can sent down and I think guys knew that. So I think in Omaha, it was, you know, performing every single day, knowing you came to the range, you came to get better. Uh, guys bought into the roles that they played, um, whether they were first line guys or, you know, guys that were in and out of the lineup every night. Um, in St. Louis, I'll, you know, we were talent, like we were just talented. And I say we, as in probably 90% of the other team besides myself, you know, we, again, though, we had guys that, uh, again, you know, it, it, we were a tight knit group there in Omaha. I'd say, you know, it was all about accepting their roles and doing what was what we had to do. And, and when I was in St. Louis and we won there, it was we were all, you know, obviously you're always a family. And when those teams win, you're you're a bigger family. But in St. Louis, it was almost like we had the uh, the mindset of we don't really care what happens. We're just gonna go out and play. Like when they always say that playing guilty hockey, usually you play your better hockey. Um, I'm gonna say that we probably our team that year just played guilty hockey for hundred games or whatever it may have been 80 games. And, um, we just had that, uh, you know, that year we had a rookie party planned. I think we lost. Um, and we were told today knew about it. And then we were told if we, you know, if we do it, then we're, they're blowing up the team and we're all going home, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, the next day they found out that we didn't have it. And then they were mad at us for not having it because they wanted us to unite against them and be a team. It's like, try being a captain on that team when you don't even know what you're supposed to do. And your coaches are yelling you to do one thing, not do one thing. And then your players are all thinking like, Hey, we need to throw some back um, type of thing. So yeah, talk about, you know, being torn there, but you know, biggest things I saw uh, to get back to the answer is just, you know, I think role playing, everybody being together on a, in a united force. Um, and I've been on plenty of teams where that's not there and you can tell the difference. Um, you know, like I said, I, uh, I know guys that would literally eat pucks, punches, and what for guys on their team if they uh, buy in and complete opposite as well. For sure. And you look at like your game, so that that's pretty unique, right, for your championship teams and your, your teams that everyone plays their role. And so let's, let's look at yourself for a little bit. And so obviously junior hockey, you're allowed to fight, um, and fighting is an important part in that game. But then you go to college. And so you're not, you're not allowed to fight. Uh, you're, I mean, it's not, not allowed. Right. And so, and then you go to the pro game and, and it's back again. So how did your role change and how did you adjust when you went from junior hockey where you had a certain role what was your role of junior hockey to college and then into pros and how did it change? Uh, yeah, my role, um, you know, for me, my role's always been that stay at home D man, uh, willing to literally, block 15 shots a game and, and stick up for my teammates, myself and change that, uh, change that momentum. Um, you know, and, and juniors, obviously, again, it, it sort of changed over the years. Year one was, I think I had 17 fights. Uh, again, it was clawing my way to just playing. Um, my second year in Omaha, again, it was the same type of thing. I broke my hand on a guy's head. Um, so then my game changed a little bit where I couldn't I played with the cast for I think 40 games um, I played forward for 30 games that year and D for 35 or 40 um, so you know my role changed but again it was it's always been a simple role uh, I think you know even nowadays that you know everybody sees uh, and obviously with what we do but you see the Instagram the Twitter and everybody you know the fancy stuff all the time but I still believe the simplicity is, is a good aspect of the game and uh, going into pro, then it was sort of the same way. My first year, obviously being 6'4", 210, 212, it was, hey, you're going to – unless I'm putting up 40 points a year, which I don't know if I put up 40 points in six years, um, you know, my game was going to be simple. It was going to be puck moving. It was going to be off the glass. It was going to be how many shots can you withstand before something breaks type of play. And, um, you know, I think every year I averaged 10-plus fights. Um, including years I had broken hands and whatnot. And it was just, 
you know, I, I wouldn't say the game for me changed a ton. I think it was always about just keeping it simple. And every time I tried to think, Hey, I, maybe I got, maybe I had the toe drag or the backhand toe drag in the, in the uh, toolbox that I got sat the next game and coach says, what the heck were you doing out there? So um, that one stayed out of the toolbox really quick. <laughs> See, you, you found your role pretty quickly and, and realized what, uh, what fit in that role with your, uh, you know, what kind of a leash you had with, with, with that role, huh? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. There was, there wasn't a far leash. I'll tell you that. It was like, your uh, it's like one of those child leashes that you see parents with these days. That's about the, that's about the distance I had. You'd be close to the hip, huh? Uh, well, I've got a question for you about, you know, we're looking through the different levels you've played uh, in a couple of those different levels, including at Mankato. And then you said beyond that in pros, you wore the C on your chest, right? Um, yep. So tell me a little bit about what, in your opinion, since you've been a captain at a pro level and the D1 level, and were you a captain in juniors as well? Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, third year in St. Louis uh, when we won the cup, actually. All right, so you've been, so you found success at, at those three levels. You've, you've been a leader at those three levels. So for the people that are listening, whether it's a coach or, or player, what would your advice be uh, on some of the qualities that make up uh, – a strong captain, a positive captain for their team that can help lead them to a successful season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, for, for looking, you know, when coaches are looking, I think, or you're looking back, even on my own path of, of captains that I've looked up to. And, and obviously to me, a captaincy is always your, your, your core guys from, you know, not if you're wearing the C or the A's or, or whatever it may be. Um, obviously it's an honor and a privilege, but um, you know, I think the biggest quality is, you know, a guy that one shows up and works every day. Um, and we always tell like guys that we work with up now, you know, like, you know, you can't hear, you can't see it, but if I had the uh, quotations up, you know, a guy that shows up, there's a difference between showing up to work every day and actually showing up to work every day. And I think, uh, the quality of, you know, a captain, the guy that shows up literally every single day, you know, he's the first guy there, last guy to leave type of guy, lead by example. Um, a guy that maybe is doing extra stuff that you don't even know about because that's just, you know, who he is as a human being and as a person. Um, I think as much as that is around the rink, it has to be, you know, it has to be that way off the ice as well. Um, especially I think when you get into the pro level, because you do have such a wide maturity and age, um, level, you know, I mean, you, you, you have guys from 18, 19, you know, when they maybe first start coming to camps to, what's 40 now, <laughs> 42, 44. I mean, there's yeah. a huge gap. So, you know, I think there's the, that, um, you know, I think also just a guy that truly takes care of himself. Uh, you know, there's always a saying, you know, be a pro. Um, and it's true in my mind, I think, you know, no matter what level you're at, being a pro is, you know, it, it's a statement. It doesn't mean you have to actually be at a pro level. Um, you know, obviously there's growing up to view at every level and, but being a pro at a junior level might be, hey, you're, you know, you're early to meetings and you're going to bed on time and you're um, doing what, you know, maybe you have a job or whatever it may be and, and not staying up till three in the morning and playing Xbox because you can. Well, yeah, that's great. You're probably not going to feel spectacular at a 9 a.m. practice and you wonder why you feel like that. Um, you know, I think at the pro level, you know, you obviously have more freedom. People have families, people have kids. There's a lot of distractions, and I think just surround. You know, again, I think a guy, a good captain, a guy that can lead is, you know, he somehow has a touch on everybody's personal life. Uh, he's involved in that, and you know, guys are guys are open to come to him if they have problems, even not hockey related, because again, it builds that trust, that camaraderie. Um, you know, and again, it can go back to just role playing. If you're going to play that role, it's a it's a full time job. For sure, and you've been. You've been fortunate enough to have some some pretty good coaches along the way. I know you had Hastings both at the junior level and then at the college level. And this guy, obviously, I mean, he's world junior coach. He's won a ton of games and in college hockey. And and so then eventually, when you were done, and the reason why I brought that up is because eventually, when you were done, you made the switch to now you're you're on the coaching side of things and you're you're working on skill development and you're running different camps. And I know you have a couple of facilities where you just you train hockey players. Uh, to become better. And so uh, let's, let's talk about skill development for a little bit and see if we can get some advice out there for all of our listeners. And so what, what are some foundational things that, you know, I know you have coaches that work with you and for you. Uh, what are some things that, Hey, this is what we do at our camp and this is what we're going to work on. And here's kind of how we do it and, and the structure around that. So 
if somebody if somebody was going to be coached by you or or your company, what what would that look like? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our our biggest thing is you know it's just like you know it's sort of uh, a blanket right now on the subject of what you know it's a unified thing in my mind. Um, you know, I we keep as many coaches around that we can um, that have been around uh, Elite, which is my company. Uh, I think right now, you know, we're at like 30 years plus together. Um, and it's just being a unified group and being able to coach the same way with us all putting our own personal touches in it, whether it's drills, uh, maybe, you know, just like if me and, you know, me and you were on there together, heater, and you're going to see something different than maybe that I see type of thing. Um, you know, but with us, our biggest thing is being able to, we pride ourselves on coaching literally the people that are just putting up skates at three and a half, four, five, all the way up to, you know, some of the junior college committee guys, uh, you know, pro guys that we are fortunate to work with that, um, we were able to touch on little things. Um, you know, if it's a weight shift, maybe that needs to be an inch different, um, or following through with your stick, turning your hands or whatever it may be that's small. Um, we, we pride ourselves on making those changes and not just going through the motions as they say. Um, you know, in our camps and everything like that, we always have an unbelievable ratio because so many times you hear camps and, and even lessons that parents, you know, they, they, they don't ever get stopped to get better in a week camp. They just go, they just skate up and down the ice and they truly aren't getting taught. Um, you know, so for us, it's just big. It's a huge thing for me to, to make sure that people are value-wise getting value for their money for their time um you know obviously we have the knowledge and we continue to learn more knowledge um to pass on but for me it's i know how hard that i work for my time i know how valuable my time is personally along with um obviously financial commitment from the hockey side is not a cheap one so um you know anybody that works with us knows that they're going to get 100 percent of our effort time um and we're going to make sure that we hit the details with their kids their kids need well, that's fantastic. I think the the one piece I'll pull out of that is that, um, you know, stopping kids and correcting and, and really teaching in those camps is where I think it can be a real differentiator between uh, camps because there are so many that just you know, pile on as many kids as you can on the ice to maximize money and revenue. And, and the kids are doing the drills and moving around and maybe from the outside looking in, it looks like the kids are getting lots of good reps. And it, but I think a lot of the real value in a quality uh, instructional setting is going to come from the ability to, to, to correct mistakes and pull kids aside and have those teachable moments with them. So hearing you say that, I really, I really think that's an important piece that if that's, you know, you're doing that on the ice with your players um, consistently, I mean, I think that's the sign of a good product that you're putting out there. So. I think that's huge in coaching. Do you want to touch on that a little bit more before we move on? Because I think it sounds like that's that's maybe one of the foundations of what you guys do at Elite. Yeah, it's it really it truly is. You know, our biggest thing is, um, like I said, our coaching staff. Everybody knows. You know, we go out there before every uh, before every session, especially for camps. You know, like we get we get amped up ourselves and throw on some tunes and get going. You know, um, we might have started throwing some let's goes out there before we get on the ice. Oh. But, uh, <laughs> but uh you know again we we get we get as amped i think as kids do for that which then again like you're saying portrays us and gets us out there to truly want to be there i think you know i think there's plenty and there's amazing coaches out there i think you truly have to want to be there and want to make a difference um because you're you you stopping a kid one time um is going to build their confidence and i think for us is building confidence is high on our ladder um again if that's you know stopping a kid that's maybe a B player and, and fixing something that, you know, maybe the longer that makes it helps them become an A player, double A, triple A, or, or, you know, vice versa, whatever it may be that, um, stopping them is big for us because then we know they, we want them to know that we care when we truly do care. Um, and then it just, you know, it's a, it's a trickle effect to everything else that they're hopefully going to do the rest of the camp or rest of the rest of their day. I think that's a huge piece being able to, uh, you know, I hear when you you say that, I mean, it, you're looking at the bigger picture and it, it just seems like you're caring for the players, which is important because that's the, the players can read through a coach so quickly that if you're, you know, if you're just going through the motions and, and, and running drills, the kids see that pretty fast. Whereas if you're, you're taking the time to talk with them, make a correction, 
point them in the right direction and then come and do it again. I mean, that's where they, they learn and they can see that, that that care is coming in and that's where those guys have the opportunity to, to blossom. So that's awesome hearing that. With that, um, what, what kind of advice would you give to a player that's listening that's trying to get better uh, at whatever level they're at, you know, they're trying to make the, the double A or the triple A or make jump, make the jump from the juniors or to college. But, and then additionally, I'll ask one, a second question for you. What's the specifically advice would you give a player that's looking to become a college hockey player? Um, I think that, you know, becoming a better player is looking in the mirror and seeing what you truly need to work on. I mean, obviously there's great pro, you know, great, uh, camps out there and great different projects, you know, that you can hop on to use. And, um, you can always find a platform, you know, whether it's project hockey or whatever it may be that, um, <laughs> you can, you can use, um, you know, for us, example, we, you know, we offer strength through virtual right, right now with everything going on, we have virtual strength training going on. We have virtual one-on-one lessons going on. Um, back to the caring thing. We don't do any group lessons virtually because I don't think that, you're going to get the bang for your buck to be, you know what I mean? Blunt and, and honest. And, um, but back to the advice for a player is I think looking in the mirror and seeing what you need to do, whether it's say summer training for the, for the fall, um, you know, whether that is releasing the puck quicker, whether that's getting faster, better on your edges, whether that, you know, being able to create deception or, or maybe for you, maybe it's more off ice. Hey, maybe you need to get better shape. You need to lose weight. You need to gain weight, body fat, um, you know, whatever it may be. Um, I think that looking in the mirror advice wise is what do you personally need and how are you, what is your plan of attack for that? I think too many times everybody gets caught up in what everybody else is doing when in truly, you know, you need to do what you need to do to, to develop yourself while still caring about, you know, obviously the people around you. Um, and I think, I think the old, I think that just rolls into the older you get with, uh, especially when you begin to start to actually play your role and, the game's getting faster and, and what again do you personally need to do to improve? I think that's solid for sure. advice. For sure. And and there's like you said, there's so many different things. And so uh, taking that long look and, and even like bringing in video and reflecting and a lot of people that we talk to, they talk about taking time away from the game for a little bit and uh, reflecting and it, it'd be a good idea to, Hey, you know, after a couple of weeks of just away from hockey, now let's watch some of the tape and see where we're at and see truly what those deficiencies are. And so al- along those same lines, um, let's talk about coaches now. So there's a ton of youth coaches out there. Some of them played in the NHL. Some of them, you know, will go out there and it's their first time on the ice because the team doesn't have a coach. And so it, keeping that in mind, what, what's some advice that you can give out there to just youth hockey coaches on how to help kids become better hockey players, both on and off the ice. Cause I know you've touched on that a little bit. I think the biggest thing for the youth uh, hockey coaches in general, and obviously like you said, you have player parents and you have NHL coaches coaching youth hockey uh, or right. NHL players. I should say, I think the biggest thing is having a plan of attack. Um, so many times I see an hour of a practice that's wasted. No joke, maybe 50, 50 minutes of an hour practice. Um, again, I don't think, I don't blame uh, anybody for that fault, especially if it's somebody stepping up to step into a role that maybe they truly aren't comfortable with, don't have the knowledge yet to do it. Uh, but I do think that the biggest thing is going out with a plan of attack. Um, and whether, again, there's, there's a million resources out there for, to learn and, and people probably within your own organization that maybe do have a little bit more knowledge, but I think having a plan of attack, I think being organized, um, shows your players, your players, families, yourself, um, that you're holding yourself accountable to have a plan of attack every, every practice. Um, and then I think it also, you know, goes on to the players then where they're, you know, I think that's going to have them buy in. Uh, they know their coach is prepared. Yeah, he might not. You might not be the most skilled coach on the ice, and um, but you know, I think if you look at NHL coaches, you know, there's some guys out there that I wouldn't say they're the most skilled coach on the ice. There's some of them don't that don't move very well, um, but they do know every day that they're going to show up with a great plan of attack. They're going to be organized, and they're going to have that um, where they're not wasting time. You know, like like you had mentioned earlier, kids are kids are smart. Um, they can see through a lot really quick and they know if, 
they know if you're prepared or not, no matter if they're literally a six year old all the way up to 18. Uh, so I think, I think for coaches in general, I think it's just being prepared, uh, knowing what you're getting on the ice with skill and age wise, um, and going and, and just going from there. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, when I, I, I talk to coaches, uh, in, I, I do some coaching clinics for, for USA hockey as a trainer. And that's one of the biggest thing for first coaches. They're kind of, uh, they're either nervous about that or they just don't quite understand, but, you know, having, uh, like an efficient practice where you're, you're conscious of ice time, conscious of player reps, puck touches, ice utilization, um, you know, and, and also like what the overall goal of those different practices are. And if there's progressions built in, all those things are so important. And I think you're exactly right. There's so many resources out there nowadays, whether it's coaching webinars or full practice plans from USA hockey or hockey Canada, or, you know, Instagram, uh, Instagram videos, YouTube videos. I mean, there's like the, it's, it's limitless these days. And I think when somebody can pull all those resources together and put some time and effort into what they're doing, the, the end result, I mean, you're coaching because of the kids and the end result that the kids get out of it ends up being so much higher. So I think you're dead on with that, that point. So good advice, I think for those coaches. Yeah. I, mean, thanks. I think I hope oh, you're good. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I think, you know, I think another thing is too, is don't, uh, and this goes for myself too. And I think any high level coaches, I think there's always knowledge to be learned out there and, and don't be afraid to, I'm going to use the word outsource it to, you know, whether it's off ice or on ice, like, I don't think you need to feel, uh, I was going to use the word violated, but that is definitely not the right word to be using. Uh, but you don't have to feel uh, that you, you know, you're going to give something up because you're asking for help. Um, I think it's, it, again, with the, with the amount of knowledge out there, I think that sometimes bringing in other coaches so you don't fall on deaf ears if you're at a higher level. Um, or, you know, if you're not an off-ice type guy, then don't try and run an off-ice type practice. Give it to somebody right. that knows what they're doing. Yeah, I think that you shouldn't feel any less of a coach if you're going online to take resources. I think it was Derek Miller that we just had on the Ottawa 67s coach, he's like, I just, I steal drills. I'm the best, the best coaches are the best thieves. And I've heard that before. And like the idea of just being able to, I don't know, let, let your ego down and say, Hey, I'm going to take this drill, this drill, this drill, this drill. And you've been on a website for two seconds and now you've practiced planned and you're ready to go and you have that plan of attack. And so I, I just think that's, that's a big part of it as well. I think we're looking for the word threatened. 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 That's the word. Don't be threatened. <laughs> yeah. I, I think what you guys are touching on is a huge part of coaching development. And, you know, I wish, I wish that uh, more coaches would, would really dive into that. Cause I think that the, the coaches that really focus on developing their own coaching, like repertoire or experience by tapping into some other um, avenues, you, the, the results are awesome. Like you can tap into so many cool things. So I would, I mean, that's part of why Danny and I started this, this podcast is to create another resource for, for coaches and players and parents. So, I'm glad you're touching on that. Let me let me jump into a, another topic here, Tyler. You with your your career in the in the East Coast League, and coupling that with uh, you know kind of the situation in the world right now with, with the lockdowns and quarantines going on and seasons being canceled, you've started a pretty interesting fundraiser. Am I right? Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So I've uh, I sort of always had the idea of again I as much as we. I uh, am confident that every player is going to play pro hockey that we, that we coached and, and is out there in the world. I I'm a big believer. And I think plan B and plan C's are things that need to happen and things you need to think about. And what, again, if you're not, uh, not a hockey player, what are you, um, type of type of thing. And, um, so it's always been a goal of mine. I started a fundraiser or a project basically called, uh, the SDF project, which is, uh, Danny might remember this, or Heater might remember this from when I was in college. I always used to write an SCF on my sticks. Uh, for me, it stands for strength, courage, and faith. Uh, and words that I feel like you can sort of take and put into your own type of definition. Um, you know, they're not they're not specific to any type of faith or anything like that. And uh, right now, we just launched, and what we're doing for our first. So basically, the idea behind it is um, it's a platform for any type of um, young adult or family that maybe has an idea that they're looking to launch on a sort of a graphic, you know, just a tee or a graphic hat or whatever it may be. But with each item, um, money is going to go back to a cause or charity that they choose, um, along with going into an educational IRA for their future um, or their kid's future, or whatever it, you know, whatever it may be. Um, Family-wise, uh, for me, it was how do we create, you know, hopefully a, a legacy at some point for these families and help them. Uh, 
set their life up. And right now, um, our fund, you know, our, our cause is the ECHL Player Relief Fund. Um, spending six years there, obviously, I have a lot of good friends that still play. Uh, guys that I, you know, situations and where I'm at now where I wouldn't be without spending six years in that league. And, um, you know, for me, it's just something that we can do to hopefully support them. And, and I know how far two or five paychecks, you know, can go in the ECHL when you're, you're playing day by day, getting paid day by day. Sure. I think that's, I think that's awesome. And I know a lot of people are trying to, to help that cause and yeah, any way that we can help out and spread that word. And I know we'll post all that information in the show details along with our social media. So if you're interested in helping, he's got a ton of cool stuff. So make sure you're checking, checking that out. Um, on the, on the other side of that, where can, where can people find you if they're in your area, they want to get there and, and do some of your camps or train at your facilities or check you out on, on social media, where are some spots that people can, can do that? Yeah, I mean, I'd say our main spot would honestly be just heading up our website um, or social media under Elite Hockey Facility um, for that. And then with the new project, the scfproject.com, um, obviously, if, that, if that's something that people want to jump behind. Uh, but those are the two main main focuses there. Uh, we're still a little old school where we do a lot of email and a lot of text and a lot. <laughs> yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, like Dan said, we'll include all of that um, into the show notes. We really appreciate you, Tyler, taking out of the time out of your day to come join us and share a little bit of your story. I think you had a lot of really uh, solid pieces of advice sprinkled in there uh, while, while explaining your path in the game and kind of where it's brought you. And uh, so for that, I, I appreciate that. Thanks for coming and joining us. I think I think what you're doing is very uh, honorable with the, the fundraiser, and I, I wish you the best of luck. I'm, like you said, we'll post a note so that people can help support that. And you know, ultimately we're all in this together as, uh, you know, as not only as people, but as, as hockey players. So, uh, I commend you, man. That's, that's good stuff. So, um, yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on. And, uh, this one's for you, Peter. So let's go. There it is. You didn't even have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even have to ask. That's awesome. Thanks. Thanks for coming on. Time is, time's easy and time is hard to come. So, Appreciate it, brother. Uh, we'll obviously stay in touch, but uh, look forward to this one coming out. Huge thank you to Tyler Albrecht for coming on to the show today. That was awesome. I, th- I think we had a lot of great points that we were hitting. Uh, I thought he touched on a lot of very important pieces of advice for coaches and players, and, and it was an entertaining talk with with his journey through the through the ranks. So, uh, Heater, what did you think? It was awesome. He. Uh, He's full of knowledge just because anytime you play the game, I mean, if you play the game through high school, you've got a ton of knowledge about the game. If you play it through junior hockey and college and then even you get paid to play it, it's it adds just another layer to that. And so jumping into just our three stars, our three takeaways of Tyler Albrecht, um, you know, it'd be good to have him on again because there's a, a ton of stuff that we can dive deep into with just development. But the first or the third star that I took away just from him was kind of that five minute rule that he touched on and just being professional in that it doesn't mean you're getting paid to play hockey. It doesn't mean you play in the NHL. It doesn't mean you, you know, just made your third all-star game. It just means that you're doing things the right way and you're showing up every day and you're, you're doing the work. And, uh, at at the junior level, you're not getting paid to play, uh, in the U S at least, but you're, you're you're showing up to to meetings five minutes early. You're going to bed at a decent hour to make sure that you're ready to go the next day. And so, I love the idea that no matter what level you're at, there's a way to be professional about it. And I think that dives, or I know that dives deep into Bantams, Pee Wees, youth hockey. Like you can find a way to be professional. Second star of the night was so simple, and yet I need to be reminded of it because sometimes I'm guilty of this. Just having a plan on the ice going out on the ice with a practice plan. He called it a plan of attack. So you know that we're going to do this, 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 and this. And so you're not wasting any ice. And for me, that was eye-opening because this guy, he runs a ton of different practices throughout the year. He's played a ton of different hockey. And so if if anyone could just jump out on the ice and make something out of nothing, it'd be him. But for him to say, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna do this and practice plan this way and make sure we have a plan of attack was, was eye opening. And for me, on my side of things, I got to coach with a few people and I, I got my start with Mike Hastings at Minnesota State. And 
what he would have a meeting before every single practice, um, like an hour before. And here's our drill. Here's what we're going to do next. Here's the focus on this one. Here's why we're doing this. Here's, here's what it looks like on paper. Here's, here's a video clip of it. And it would be, it would be so dialed in and then it would end with, okay, now we need copies for everybody. So that everyone can have it in their pocket. Even if you're not running a drill, you got to know where pucks are. And so it was cool. It was cool to hear, to be a part of that. And then to talk to Elby and for him to be like, Hey, you know, we throw tunes on, we get fired up. And this is a huge, big, important deal because if you don't make it one kids, they're going to read that. And so I thought that was a huge eye opening thing, even though it was so simple, but first star of the night, what do you got coach? Well, let me expand one, one other level on that too. I mean, I think for the coaches out there, uh, I think we'll, we've heard it before too, about the plan of attack, not just for the practice, but even rolling that into your season plan too. And how, you know, if if you're coaching an actual, like you have your team, what do you want? What are your goals for that team throughout the course of the season? And that plays into um, a trickle down effect into that practice plan. And for those, for those kids. So, um, and for those players, it's a plan of, you know, not just showing up to the rink and going through the motions, but you know, if you're serious about trying to reach higher levels, what is that plan to get there? What does that look like on and off the ice? So I think that's huge. It is uh, my huge. First, and be, oh yeah, go ahead. coach, before, before you jump into that, um, I also had the opposite end of the spectrum and I'm not going to name this coach's name, but this coach had a, had a practice plan. So it, so the idea of just being flexible and adapting, um, this coach had his practice plans laid out for the entire season from day one. So it wouldn't matter if we went into so-and-so's rink and lost by a touchdown and couldn't get our four check going the next practice. It was whatever he had planned from day one. And so I thought that, I thought that was interesting. Like from a business world, like, yeah, you know, you, you, I think the word is you monetize that and it's easy to go and you can just roll right into it and it's easy. But from like a hockey standpoint, uh, if we, we didn't win very many games that year. And so I, I think that goes along with the idea that you, you need to practice plan with a purpose and so I, I bring in this up because I'm going to put it on our list for quick shift episodes um, because we're going to totally. be doing a ton more of them. And uh, just the idea of practice planning with a purpose and picking different skills and making a whole practice plan about that. And so I, I just wanted to toss that in here before you roll with first star, unless you got anything else to add. No, I totally agree with you. I mean, I think having a plan, a season plan is really important, but, uh, I totally agree. Like if you're sitting down, I wouldn't want that to be taken where like, you've got to draw out every practice plan. Cause you have to work towards, um, some end goals, but you have to work within, within the players and the tools that you have and, and for their own individual development. So it's a balance sure. between that. So I, I'm, I'm totally with you on that one. First star of the night. Um, I'm going to pull it from when we asked him about his advice to a youth hockey player or a player looking to get into college hockey. And and he touched on the ability to look in the mirror at yourself. And I think that's really, you know, it translates not only into hockey, but into the rest of life as well, where, you know, you've got to take accountability for your own development and your own progression in your, in your career, in your playing days, uh, in anything, you know, that you want to go towards that goal. And you've got to take an honest assessment of yourself, look in the mirror and say, what are my strengths? What are my weaknesses? What am I going to work on in order to achieve that goal? And I think that's a huge takeaway for the coaches, for the parents, for the, for the players, you can apply that in so many different ways in life. And it's, it shows that the, the development path for each individual is going to be a little bit different. And, and I really think it's an important, important take home that, uh, especially for players that, you know, if things aren't going well and you're, and you're not getting the ice time you want or the power play time, or you're not developing the way you want, you've got to take a look in the mirror and say, am I doing everything that I can to maximize my potential and my opportunities? So I think that that's a huge takeaway. And for me, that's going to be our number one star for the night. For sure. And what I love, so when you do take a look in the mirror, uh, which is, you know, it's a buzz phrase like, Hey, look in the mirror, check out what's going on. What are your deficiencies? When you come up with one through watching film, through, uh, talking to your coaches, like, Hey, this is what I need to work on. Send us a message because we would love to bring in some hockey masterminds and, and talk about those different things and how, you know, if it is your edges, how we can create some practice plans and create some development stuff to, to help you out. And so, if, if there is something when you do take that look in the mirror and you're like, okay, I know I need to work on X, Y, and Z, but I have no idea how to 
shoot us a message because that's what we're here for. And that's, that's what this podcast is all about is, is coming together and leaving the game better than we found it. And also helping athletes, hockey players reach their goals. And so it, it was definitely a good interview. Uh, and seems like a lot of these interviews, they just springboard to more ideas on how, how we can talk about things and how the community can rally together. So I'd love to coach, um, we kind of tie a bow on this. Um, if, if you want to find LB and you, you want to find Tyler Albrecht and see what he's doing and check out that, uh, East coast Ho- hockey league fundraiser, keep listening because our guy, Vin producer, Vin, he's going to, he's going to tell you where to find this guy and he's going to tell you where to check him out and it'll be in the show notes too. So before you, before you hang up and, and swipe up on your, your Apple iPads or Spotify app, Google app, make sure you hit us a like button so we can continue to bring you unbelievable podcasts and great guests and stuff like that. So without further ado, coach, what do you say? We got a let's go or you got anything else? Let's go. Let's go. (laughs) All right, everybody. This is producer Vinny. Just checking in with everybody, wrapping up the podcast with you. Thanks to everybody for listening this week. And thank you so much to Tyler. If you'd like to learn more about Tyler and find him on the internet, which is where you find people these days, Instagram and Twitter, Go follow him at Elbrecht16, that's E-L-B-R-E-C-H-T-1-6. His website for his training camps is EliteHockeyCamps.net. And also make sure you check out and support his Strength, Courage, and Faith Project. SCFproject.com is the website. SCF is a great organization. Proceeds go to a specific cause, and right now, they're donating a portion of their sales to the ECHL Player Relief Fund, a really great cause, so check out scfproject.com. All of these links will be in the description below. Tyler's got a lot of stuff going on, so you're going to want to check out everything he has. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors, HockeyWolf.com. Mentioned them earlier. Go visit their website. Support Hockey Wolf. Get yourself some equipment for when the rinks open back up. Finally, Gel Stick Sports. Head over to gelsticks.com right now and check out the best weighted training aids in the game, hockey, lacrosse, and golf. They've got it all. Gel sticks are two and a half times heavier than standard sticks or shafts, but retain their flex profile so they allow you to train the same way you play. Get the most out of your next training session. They're used by over 75 NHL players, dozens of NCAA teams, and thousands of hockey players around the world just like you. Get your hands on one because right now, Gel Sticks is offering 20% off your order when you use promo code Let's Go. That's L E T S G O at checkout. Head over to gelsticks.com, fill up your cart with a bunch of stuff because you know you want it, and then use the promo code to let them know that we sent you. That's G E L S T X.com. Like we always say, support them because they support us. Thank you. Thank you to everybody out there listening. We love you guys. The podcast wouldn't be happening if it weren't for you. If you haven't already hit the subscribe button, please do so. Leave us a comment and review. We appreciate it. We love to know you're out there. Hey, share it with your friends. We'd appreciate that too. All right, guys, this has been another great episode of the Let's Go Hockey Podcast, and we'll see you next time.